Hello and welcome to the Winchester, the podcast where Hannah, Ben, and myself explore everything to do with film, TV, entertainment, pop culture, you name it. If you're a nerd like us, then you're in the right place. We'll be diving deep into all things nerdy to discuss exactly what it is we love and hate about them. If this is your first time, welcome. Make sure to hit that like, subscribe, and review, and all those other things wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're a returning listener, thanks for joining us once again. We really appreciate it. This week, we're on the search for that booty with Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. And we'll be answering the question, what's your pirate name? But first, let's check in with our panel in a segment we like to call, What you Watching? Hey, Ben, what you watching? Uh, let's see. I just finished watching uh, Workaholics for the first time. I mean, I'd watched the first chunk of it, but I've never seen it all the way through before. That show's ridiculous in so many different ways. <laughs> um, and uh, I recently checked out the first episode of the Star Wars Jedi Temple Challenge. Ooh, is that up? Uh, it's not up on Disney Plus yet, or at least it wasn't when I checked, but it, the first episode is available for free on YouTube through the official Star Wars Kids channel. Oh shit, I it, should watch that. It was interesting, it, it was it was fun, um, it was something a little bit different from watching the regular news cycle, and uh, it looks like something I would love to do, uh, but I think I'm uh, 20 years too old for it. No, 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 we should apply. We should apply <laughs> and just see how it goes, because I think, I think the people at Lucasfilm... You know, they're up for a laugh, and they could have two grown men, uh, you know. Fail? You guys think that you <laughs> are going to be the only way. grown men applying for this? Yes. Uh, yes, we are. Yeah. Listen, uh, Hannah, we can dream, okay? We're allowed to have dreams. I was watching it with Alicia, and as the contestants on the first episode were introducing themselves, they're like, hi, I'm so-and-so, and I'm so-and-so, and we're best friends. And then it was, hi, I'm so-and-so, and I'm so-and-so, and... We're siblings, and this is why we're going to win. And Alicia turned to me and went, Hi, I'm Ben, and I'm Scott, and we're going <laughs> to kick everyone's ass. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ben, and I'm Scott, and we're going to murder your little asses, you sons of bitches. We're going to go all Anakin in the uh, Jedi Temple on you. <laughs> Hope you liked Revenge of the Sith, because we're going to kill you. Um, I rewatched the trailer for that, and Ahmed Best at one point stares into your soul through the camera. He's a he's great like, host. Get, he's like, get ready. And he's like, his eyes are like popping out of his head. And I'm like, holy shit, this man is coming for me. So they have they have actually worked the story of his character in the show into the canon, apparently. He's, yeah, he's like related to Mace Windu or something, isn't he? No, he's related to the character that he played in Attack of the Clones. Oh, that right. Wasn't Jar Jar Binks. Because he had That's a second right. character. That's right. But he's got a purple lightsaber, doesn't he? I believe so. I don't remember seeing his lightsaber in the Jedi Temple Challenge first episode, right. but I could be wrong. So I watched a behind-the-scenes thing of uh, the Star Wars show or whatever, and they showed what lightsaber he got. It's the same one that I was going to get at Disneyland. I was like, God damn it. Now I'm going to look like a poser. <laughs> um, okay, great. Uh, Hannah, uh, what you watching? What have you been up to? I finished Space Force. Um, Ooh, nice. I yeah. have mixed, mixed feelings about it. Didn't hate it, didn't love it. Just kind of, it was a thing that happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I got also, a couple episodes left. And I also watched the mo- that Chris Hemsworth movie, Extraction. 
Um, oh, was or, that any good? It was all right. Like it was. Ju- it's just like a fun action movie. Like with everything that's going on in the world right now, it's a little bit like white guy coming in to save the day. But it was. Um, it was fun. And there's one sequence that was like it was really cool because it was this entire like car chase action sequence that was all quote unquote done in one shot. Um, Phil and I were having fun just kind of like going hidden cut hidden cat like trying to find where they were hiding them but yeah it was that one sequence was really really well done and it was it was a fine movie um that's a, it's a it's a russo brothers movie yeah it is which shocked me i had no idea and uh, really yeah wait you it, didn't think that they could helm a blockbuster movie <laughs> no it just didn't seem like like it wasn't really that funny or anything like it just it, it didn't seem like a movie of theirs but i um it was it was fine. Like it was a it was a fun ride. David Harbour is in it. So far, what I'm hearing is you've been watching a lot of Netflix and haven't been overwhelmed by anything. No. <laughs> <laughs> I should have I should have uh, restructured my question about that movie um, in terms of like, was that movie any good without shirtless Hemsworth in it for you? <laughs> he, I think he kept his shirt on for most of the movie. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, but did that did that small portion just boost it? <laughs> he was quite good. Yeah. Oh, I actually saw another movie with Chris Hemsworth. Weirdly, um, Jay and the reboot, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> I like that movie. I love that movie. Yeah, it was it was pretty fun. Like Chris Hemsworth is in it. He he plays himself in a hologram, and it's friggin' hilarious. But uh, yeah, yeah, I guess I watched a lot of movies this weekend. some fun news on my end so i was on imdb because we were very lucky (laughs) to uh we were very we were very lucky to win a couple of awards for a a film festival that we were in uh we were nominated for seven awards and we took home two of them and we were we were nominated against a lot of like really hardcore dramas so for me personally i was like wow we this little tiny little crazy comedy that we did you know, was nominated alongside these things. So I was super happy, super thankful. But so I was on IMDb and we're, uh, cause we have to like put those on the pages and all that. And I saw that I got tagged in something and I got tagged in this article from variety, which apparently was from 2018. <laughs> and it says that Scott Barrison <laughs> vent- millionaire venture capitalist, resign or like retires from Lionsgate board and I was like wait hold up what and like I put my cursor over the Scott Patterson because it was highlighted it goes to my IMDB account and like then and then I saw like I saw like my star meter thing like went up like a bunch of points it's like oh my god people were, people were click on this what and I was like why is this coming why is this coming back this was from 2018 or whatever and I just saw it I just saw it then and I was like oh shit and uh so basically uh, apparently I retired two years ago. Scott, you're holding out on us. Give us money. Donate money to the podcast. We're poor. <laughs> I am holding out on myself. So <laughs> I, I have been living <laughs> with You've barely any money for the past two wrong. years. <laughs> Basically what I'm getting out of this is when Scott says at the outro of the podcast that we're dirt poor and can't afford to advertise, <laughs> what he's saying is he's too cheap to give us money to advertise. Goddamn venture capitalist. <laughs> Apparently, this isn't a very uh, lucrative uh, venture. (laughs) I haven't received a single check from Lionsgate, and (laughs) I retired two years ago. Hey, Lionsgate execs, pay our man his his money. 
Yeah, I told my dad this story <laughs> yesterday, and he was like, "You should, you should threaten legal action for defamation of character." I was like, "Yeah, totally. <laughs> I will definitely be like, how dare you make it look like I have more money when I'm actually poor." <laughs> I just don't understand how no one caught this. Like, your picture, you, you don't look old. <laughs> like, you're clearly a young, uh, a youngish man. Youngish, thank you. Nice save. Perfect. <laughs> just, just enough of a backhanded compliment there. That was great. Hey, I'm, I mean, you're only a couple months older than I am. <laughs> and but... the thing is, in that picture, you're also standing in front of a, uh, a somewhat homemade alien costume. Yeah. <laughs> What? Wasn't that your picture from Boom Headshot? Yeah. No, no, that's that's my picture from uh, the zombies thing that I that we made. Hannah and I made. Oh. Oh, yeah. I I thought it was a uh, Boom Headshot for some reason. No, yeah. No. No, that was uh, two th- that's that was 2016. Oh my god. That was a, yeah, it was a while ago now. Speaking of me retiring. <laughs> <laughs> I completely forgot. Like, <laughs> I. I actually did help out on those things <laughs> yeah hannah hannah just gets the producer credit on all my stuff That's, oh, man. at some point i so at some point i just go to hannah i was like hannah is this good and then she gives me her opinion and then i just slap a co-producer credit on it oh my god all right well that brings us to our question of the week every week we're given a question whether it's asked from one of us on the panel or from one of our amazing listeners if you have a question you want us to answer hit us up on social media at winchester cast this week's question what's your pirate name this is a good old question that we always like to chuckle about because we talk about what's your pirate name all the time. No, no, I'm just um, <laughs> At least once a week starting last week. At least at least once a week. <laughs> hey, Ben, uh, we're, we're going to throw in a little wrench here. Uh, it's not what your pirate name is. It's you should give other people pirate names. So, Ben, what's uh, off the top of your head, what's a pirate name from myself and Hannah? All right. Don't think too hard on it. <laughs> I was about to say, I thought long and hard about this. <laughs> uh, I think Scott is mm-hmm. Captain Blondebeard the Scourge. There's a cream that fixes that. <laughs> um, and uh, Hannah, I think it's going to have to be uh, the Swashbuckling Eagle. Ah, okay. Mm. Okay. Works for me. <laughs> yes, 100%. <laughs> um, Hannah, if you had to give Ben and myself uh, <laughs> Captain Pirate names, what would they be? So I, I've thought long and hard about, <laughs> about this. <laughs> and uh, uh, Scott, I think you are <laughs> Johnny Jangles McRattlebone. <laughs> <laughs> jangles i just don't like the word jangles why <laughs> johnny Not jangles, jangles, but jangles. <laughs> what's and, what am i what am i jangling the rattle bones obviously yeah. <laughs> you weren't and, paying attention and ben i have i've uh shaken yours up a bit you are Ben Barabbas Blackbeard. <laughs> Barabbas. What does Barabbas mean? I don't know. <laughs> I I must have heard it somewhere. It's stuck in my head somehow. Did you mean Barbosa? Because that's the villain in the movie we're about to talk about. 
I was going to say Barbosa, but then I thought that was too on the head. Oh, Barabbas is a figure mentioned in the New Testament. <laughs> She's. We're getting biblical. Lay down a beat. Because you know pirates are the most religious of them all. <laughs> and Jesus said, bring on to me your treasures. How did I have Barabbas stuck in my head? I... Barabbas. Okay. Were you studying the New Testament recently? <laughs> oh my god, no. Anna, I didn't, I didn't know that you were religious. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> it's it's Phil's Catholic school upbringing rubbing off on you. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> Well, um, uh, Hannah, for you, I'm going to have to go with uh, Captain Millennial Egan McGrimey Gears. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Because, uh, yeah, you got you to gotta, you gotta dissect those situations and find out what grinds your gears every week. There's, there's and, a lot uh, to unpack with that name. <laughs> yeah, there is. There is. There is. My goal is like if like if it was you on a cat on like a pirate ship and someone was like, oh my god, that's Captain Millennial Eagle McGrimey here. They before they're halfway through the the like the name, they just be like, oh god, I don't want to fight her. <laughs> just turn around. I'm too tired from just saying her name. Yeah. Um, and then Ben, I'm gonna go with uh, Captain Benji McGibbles, the Booty Blaster of the Sea. You know, on the on the search for that booty, and when you find it, you blast it. <laughs> Gross. Oh boy. Oh god. Oh boy. So I, well, I see I'm the only one who took this seriously. What are you talking? These are all these are all going to be our Sea of Thieves names as well. <laughs> when we finally get that game and uh, and play. Uh, well, friends, uh, what's uh, w- what's what's your pirate name? And do you agree with our pirate names? What's a pirate name you would give for us? Hit us up on social media. Let us know. And, uh, you know, this now brings us to our discussion. We're talking Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Uh, brought to you by Disney in, what was it, 2003? Yeah. And directed by Gore... Uh, um, Gerbinski. Uh, he's directed three Pirates movies. Uh, he's also done, like, The Weatherman, he's done Rango, The Lone Ranger, also The Ring. Did he yeah, do that, The that Ring? That was a little bit of an outlier of his uh, film career. That yeah. movie scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. <laughs> Still does. I haven't, I haven't watched it since I watched it when I was a kid, because it, like, scarred me. Well, it was I think that's a movie me. we need to add to our list. No, no, thank you. <laughs> I had, no. so... A little aside here, I watched it at my friend's house and we we were having a sleepover and we were sleeping in the same bed and I like had one of those weird dreams where you're like half asleep but half awake and so I woke up and like her face looked all messed up like the, the people in the ring and ever since like that, it was terrifying, did not like, will not watch that movie ever again. <laughs> I thought that. It was going to go in a very different direction. <laughs> I was like 12. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> You've met her. Taylor. Hi, Taylor. <laughs> Is Taylor a listener? Uh, I don't know. Um, I'll tell her that we mentioned her. <laughs> yeah, tell her that you started making a little bit of a fan fiction about her. <laughs> <laughs> I did. You did. <laughs> Well, this is taking a very. <laughs> uh, that is. Let's talk about Pirates of the Caribbean. 
Hey, Hannah, why don't you tell our listeners about Pirates of the Caribbean? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, um, so I have my little uh, IMDb blurb here. Blacksmith Will Turner teams up with eccentric pirate quote-unquote Captain Jack Sparrow to save his love, the governor's daughter, from Jack's former pirate allies who are now undead. The end. It's It's a pretty tight synopsis, but a little bit of a spoiler there. Yeah, well, I'm assuming everyone has watched this movie. (laughs) (laughs) And if you haven't, well, thanks for coming by anyway. But you should probably watch this movie. And also prepare for spoilers. So, of course, we've got um, uh, Johnny Johnny Depp, who is playing Captain Jack Sparrow. Iconic role. Iconic uh, actor. We've got Jeffrey Rush as Captain Barbosa. Hannah's favorite, Orlando Bloom Legolas, as playing uh, Will Turner. And Kira Knightley playing uh, Elizabeth Swan. Uh, Ben's favorite. Will Turner's... Yeah, two, yeah, two callbacks to last week's yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah. So that's our main cast. Uh, you know, we... Uh, what do we what do we think of this movie? Now, pirate movies are, you know, they're classic. They've been around for since the dawn of cinema. Pirates have always um, captured the imagination of uh, storytellers and audiences alike. I, I know for me, this movie brought me back to you know, that childlike, you know, wonder and excitement of, like, wanting to play pirates. I, I grew up with, like, really old pirate movies, like like The Black Swan with uh, Gregory Power. It was, like, you know, from the 50s, it was like, now nah, in Technicolor, you know, like one of those. <laughs> um, so this brought me back, like, to get all excited. I loved, you know, pirate ship battles, you know, swinging across the, on a rope to get to, to, get to the other ship. Um, what, do we, what do we think about this movie? Uh, I, I really liked it a lot. I still, um, I hadn't seen it in a couple of years, but I, I watched a, a lot when I was a teenager and that had absolutely nothing to do with Orlando Bloom, I swear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <And> <laughs> um, I grew up liking pirates just because like, um, Muppet Treasure Island was a favorite oh, of mine. Oh, so good. It was such a, that's a really good one. And like, they just kind of like, pirates are just kind of in the ether i feel like especially when you're a kid like just always wanting to play pirates and it's, stuff it's like interesting that. pirates never go out of style for kids no, no never. they don't i, I think it's just because it's like it's kind of like being a kid with more drinking more wrong <laughs> yeah uh, yeah it's like being a being a kid there's no responsibility <laughs> you know you're, you can do what you want it's that rebellious side to kids um that you know kids like and love so much yeah, and that sense of adventure that like we we've talked about in like why we like movies like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and stuff. It's like just that that kind of adventure tone to yeah. Them. It's, th- it's thrilling. It's exciting, uh, <laughs> and it's 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 almost as if like you're on a ship and the story just it's just a wave. It's pushing you from one from one end to the other. Uh, you're in constant motion. It's almost like it's the uh, the original antihero as well. Yeah. So we so we open up on uh, on a young Elizabeth Swan on a ship with her on the governor's ship, and uh, turns out there is a pirate attack just a little ways away, and young Will Turner comes floating on <laughs> on a on a raft built on a door frame built for two. Um, little little dig at James Cameron there, um, and and they meet and she sees you know a necklace around uh, Will's neck. Which she ultimately takes for her own. She's a little thief. Um, <laughs> she's a pirate. Well, she pirate. did. She didn't want him to get killed. I think that was her main thing. She knew that 
they were against pirates and so she like hit it i think that's yeah yeah oh, i was just being i was just being a tool but uh <laughs> Um, so basically, and then we, and then we cut, uh, we cut to the future and we meet Kira Knightley and the, uh, and who plays Elizabeth Swan. And, uh, I love the, uh, the scene where she's like getting into this corset and it's just like, it just shows you the bullshit that women had to put up with back oh, yeah. then. And it so, like yeah. shows, it shows her character like perfectly too, where she's just like, what is this? <laughs> what am I getting into yeah she she does it but she does it like begrudgingly and she and it's just it's a lovely bit of foreshadowing for her to like you know to drop the bullshit and to you know pick up a sword essentially yeah Uh, yeah i think the the, the first 10 minutes of this movie really set up the the tone so well too and what's mm -hmm. to come so well yeah i I love that opening scene with the fog over the water as the ship's kind of cutting through and she's singing a pirate's life for me yeah and it just it's got that air of mystery, a little bit of that um, super, a hint of supernatural and pirates, and then you switch tones into the comedy with that next chunk, and I think it just works so well to give you an accurate expectation of what the rest of the movie is going to be. Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe. totally. And uh, I mean, we're introduced to Will Turner, who's the the blacksmith's uh, apprentice. Uh, who we basically find out he's the one that actually does the majority of the blacksmithing because the blacksmith is a drunk. Uh, he brings a sword to the governor, uh, and during that little scene, we kind of we kind of notice, you know, the, the you know the little glimmer of flirtation between uh, Elizabeth Swan and and Will Turner, you know, and you can instantly tell that throughout the years they've had this like little back and forth of you know will they won't they. And it's set up so perfectly where you're just like, okay, I know exactly what I need to know. I know, and I don't need to see like a flashback of years and years of them flirting together. We get it. They've known each other for a long time. There's that love spark and we can just basically move on with the story. Yeah. She clearly like, she clearly likes him. Um, and he's very like a, all about propriety and like trying to make sure that I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Well, he's, he's, he's got, he's got something, he's got something to prove though, right? Because he's, she's like, she's got nothing to prove. She's the governor's daughter. But to him, it's essentially, oh, a guy like me can't be ever with a girl like her. You know, it's that, it's that classic notion of, you know, I'm not good enough. You know, you're royalty. I'm not, I'm just a peasant sort of thing. And it's like, it's a great thing because she doesn't care about all that, but he thinks that he needs to present himself a certain way in order to, to have a chance. And um, we we get her father's first like well I never <laughs> yeah <that scene. laughs> he like he's just a side character in this movie but he's so good like he plays that role so well yeah Jonathan Price he's so yeah. good I didn't even governor. recognize him as the guy from Game of Thrones when rewatching it yeah that like that blew my mind I I, I couldn't believe it so different. <laughs> So yeah. guys, the game of the game from the guy from Game of Thrones is actually the guy from Pirates of the Caribbean. Because he was in it first, doesn't matter. Jordan, we can cut that. <laughs> no, no, leave it. No, in. no, I forbid Just the, it. The ten seconds of silence after. Uh, so basically, so you're introduced to the two of them. We've got um, the sword that was made by um, Will Turner. It's not actually for the governor. It's a gift to Commodore Norrington, Commodore Norrington, Norrington <laughs> played by Jack Davenport. 
And uh, so they're on. They're going to a ceremony to basically for his promotion. And there, and you can kind of get the sense that you know Jack Davenport, or sorry, uh, Commodore Norrington and Elizabeth Swan, you know that's the that's the rivalry rivaling uh, couple. So Elizabeth Swan is potentially going to be married off to to I, Norrington. I have a question about that. That relationship does it seem weird to anybody else? He was a full grown adult when she was twelve yeah. years old on that ship. Oh, totally. I, I was they, thinking it, about that when I was rewatching this movie, and I don't know why it didn't click with me before. But I, I'm seeing so many things out that I'm just like, "What the fuck? <laughs> why?" Like, he might have only been twenty, so like there might only be a ten year difference, but it still just felt he felt like a full adult. He's no Well, it didn't. It didn't feel like they tried to de-age him at all. You know, like I, when, it looked like time didn't pass when you went yes. from from young Norrington to old to like present day Norrington. The only thing that changed yeah. was his hairstyle a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they probably put effort into it and they tried to do whatever de aging. But what it looked like from an outsider is looked like it just like oh he showed up to set, did his regular makeup and put it in. Um, but yeah, so and it was like a bit that, creepy back then though. Like that was. I normal. assume it was just normal, but it is super weird. Like I can you, I can't even imagine like a friend of my dad's or a coworker of my dad's being like ten years older than me, and then you're with me my entire life, and then you're like, oh, I'm gonna marry her. <laughs> like, that's so weird. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> no, me either. <laughs> yeah. Um. So at this point, you know, we we now are starting to get our first glimpse of. Uh, Johnny Depp is Jack Sparrow, uh, and what I, I I love this opening scene because it just scene it's is so good. <laughs> it sets it sets Jack Sparrow up so well. He's coming in on what you think is like a like his pirate ship, and it's just this little <laughs> dinghy of a longboat, and it's sinking the entire time. And he's standing on the crow's nest, and then he just steps off the crow's nest because it's sunk so much. And uh, he just leaves it. Yeah. I have one little tidbit of trivia for that. That um, so how they got that shot was they had it was in like a, um, a a water tank or whatever, and they were filling up the water and pushing the dock towards the boat at the same time to get that shot. So it, oh my that, god, that, that's how it works so perfectly, and it, it actually looks like it's like coming into the dock, but it was just a really cool like piece that has always stuck with me at like just the innovation that filmmakers can come up with to make these things happen oh absolutely it's one of my favorite visual gags in the whole movie but once you start to think about it it breaks down really quickly like you're like you realize that the boat can't really keep moving straight (laughs) underwater that smoothly not at the same speed that it was when it was above water (laughs) that's that's not physics but it's still it's still fun and like you also see the um his like little bow to the pirates that have been hanged so you know like pirates are not welcome in where he's he's arriving and it's in that scene too where he's uh he docks the ship in quotes and the guy comes up and he's like, it's like one shilling to dock your ship. And he's like, well, how about we make it two and you forget about the ship and you yeah. don't write it down sort of thing. And even in that scene, he's got like a young assistant who basically just looks at Johnny, who looks at Jack Sparrow. and He's like, oh, man, this guy's so cool. And that right then and there makes kids want to admire Jack Sparrow. Yeah. And then and he like goes the, and like, steals. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes and takes, he steals the, the coins from the, from the desk 
on the on the dock. It's so like it's, it's such just a great moment. Structured so well, the opening of this movie. It's just so good. All of the like so we had talked about this previously, but all of the characters in this movie are just so good. And they've done such a good job of like introducing characters. You know exactly who they are the second that they're on screen. And like they yeah. just did such a good job of that. A lot of movies don't do a good job of that. And this one like just knocked it out of the park. Every the, character, you know what their motivation is. You know like who they are. Yeah. Yeah. They 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 do such a great job of fleshing out the characters within ten seconds of them being on screen. Yeah. Uh, those are the movies that I find are the best is that yeah. when it's clear who a character is and they, if you nail character I think you've got a good movie because you can still have a good movie with great characters and sadly a not so great story because yeah. you're feeling everything through the characters if you got shitty characters but an interesting story you're basically just like oh but I didn't give a shit about it but yeah. it was a cool, but it was a cool story sort of thing, and yeah. that's what really kind of is, is unfortunate. One of the things that I find works so well in this movie is they keep everything simple, right? It's a fairly yeah. straightforward story. They're fairly straightforward characters. They have a little bit of complexity added into them, but it's the, that complexity is not really. It's sprinkled on. It's not like we need to make a really deep, complex character. It's this is the character. This is where they start. This is where they end. And then here's a little bit of a, a wrench in their plans halfway through. They all have very simple motivations. Like all of them are like, Will loves Elizabeth. Um, Elizabeth wants to be free of like whatever the nonsense, woman nonsense is. Jack it, wants his ship. Like it's all, <laughs> it's all so very simple. simple. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it, uh, it also, it also uh, shows, you know, a a good example of great collaboration because yes, all of the, all of their motivations and all their wants are very simple, but it then also the, the filmmakers, Disney, you know, director, whoever also then rely on the actors to come in and add more complexity yeah. to them. Yeah. And, and, and they do like Jack, when you think about it, um, he's, he's, he's a very simple character, but at the same time, what makes him simple is is his complexity of like what you have to think about okay what all of these things i'm sure johnny depp was like okay this 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 and that to get to what jack sparrow is took so much work into so and, and took so much um you know uh practice and rehearsal and brainstorming uh, and it just works so great now that i see it like it's so interesting to like go back and watch it now because like that was the first time that we had seen captain jack sparrow on screen and i feel like he's now become world known <laughs> i feel i feel like johnny depp is synonymous with captain jack sparrow when a lot of people think of johnny depp that's the first role that they think of yeah right that's yeah. his most iconic role and that wasn't until about halfway through his career thus far right yeah, like, yeah. And he, he won an academy award for, yeah. uh, for playing a pirate or, a drunk pirate yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wait did he win or was he just nominated um I can't remember. Ex no, he just he he was nominated uh, because Return of the King won that year. Oh yes, yes, Return of the King was the. It, I, I think it won seventeen awards. Yeah, um, <laughs> I shouldn't have to remind you of all people about that, especially considering the last time we talked, <laughs> had this exact conversation. I know. I said he was nominated, and you said he won. Or you said Return of the King won. Yes. <laughs> he he won the he won the SAG award though for best actor. Yeah. Yeah. 
He was fantastic. Like he was, he took like the typical pirate trope and like completely turned it around and made this like amazing character out of it. He deserved it in, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, he, he so clearly added so much to the character himself. Now I don't know the validity of this, but I was reading that, um, uh, uh, the reason that Jack Sparrow walks so funny on land is because he spent so much of his life on boats and on ships that he has permanent sea legs. So when he's walking on land, he's still trying to compensate for the uh, swishing of the ocean and the waves hitting the boat. And that's why he looks so drunk all the time, even when he's not, which I think is a cool, it's a cool touch to the character that you wouldn't think about, but without it on there, might like without him adding that touch, the character wouldn't feel quite as fleshed out. It's something you're never told about, but when you hear it, it, it makes sense. It yeah. works for yeah. the character. I mean, for a moment, just for a split second, I thought you meant Johnny Depp, not... <laughs> I thought you meant Johnny Depp had, like, sea legs. And I was like, wait, what? Did he? Did he Did really live All on? of no, his movies are on boats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they actually just film all of his movies on boats, whether they take place on a boat or not. They just dress it differently. Hey, these these uh, tier A actors, man, you, they, they got crazy stuff in their uh, contracts. Yeah, uh, Lone Ranger, shot in a desert, actually takes place on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to dwell on the openings of this movie too much because there's a lot to cover in this movie. Um, but one of the things I love is at this point you're introduced to three completely different tones of the film, yet they don't feel drastically different, right? The, the opening is that mysterious, that uh, supernatural feel. Then the second scene you've got that uh, the meeting of Will and uh, uh, Elizabeth and you have that kind of romantic feel. And then Johnny Depp comes in. You get that adventurous feel, but you also have that over-the-top ridiculousness with everything he does. But no part of that feels out of place, even though the tone shifts from scene to scene here. Like it just shows how the world, or how the world, kind of operates around these characters, right? Like you're seeing these scenes through their lens, which I find a, a really cool moment because looking back on it. I feel like those moments shouldn't work back to back to back with each other, but they do work so well. Um, and then after we get that introduction of uh, Johnny Depp and Captain Jack Sparrow, uh, we see him trying to steal a uh, a ship from the Na- from the Royal Navy, uh, <laughs> and we get introduced to two of the most incompetent naval officers I have ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's They're the easy, the polite way to say it. Oh, I love those yeah. characters. The uh, the so we haven't gotten to the other pair yet. We'll touch on them later. But like both sides of this movie have their like pair of goofy weirdos, which is great. They're, they're, I just they're, love it. They, they they each side has kind of their their foils, right? Like the butt of the joke for every other moment. But they work so well, even though you you know that they're bad at their jobs but you still enjoy watching them try anyway but that actually brings me to one of my uh comes up to one of my favorite moments like you get the you get johnny depp interacting with these uh naval officers and just hamming it up just being pure captain jack sparrow in the moment um i think one of my favorite lines was or is in this scene where he goes and he goes, but but you have heard of me, right? Yeah. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, um, you are by far the worst pirate I've ever seen. 
but you have heard of me. <laughs> I have watched this movie a lot. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, but before sorry, before we get to there, we have uh, uh, the Revenge of the Corset as uh, as Elizabeth Swan passes out at the top of the uh, uh, the Overlook. Um, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And antihero Johnny Depp has to uh, be the only one who can save her from drowning in the corset. And that's another one of my favorite lines. When he finally gets her out, he cuts it off and he says, you obviously never been to Singapore. They don't know what this corset is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what's great too, when like the governor starts walking over with all his squad and, uh, and Johnny Depp tosses the corset to one of the funny, uh, the goofs, uh, the goof uh, Navy <laughs> officers. And he's like, Oh, what? <laughs> making it look like he did it. So, but from there, uh, you know, they decide instead of thanking uh, Johnny Depp or Johnny Depp, <laughs> instead of thanking um, Jack Sparrow, they put him under arrest and he actually has to, he escapes by taking uh, Elizabeth Swan hostage. And then he does his, you know, classic Jack Sparrow thing where he, classic pirate where he steps on something and he goes up on a pulley system and he, he swings uses away. a Rube Goldberg machine to escape from yeah. the law. <laughs> yeah. And then through a series of chases, we he ends up uh, meeting uh, Will Turner in the blacksmith area because he's trying to get his uh, he's trying to get his cuffs broken and uh, and they start fighting and they just have like a little tit for tat and and it shows their character dynamic and everything and then from there oh my god what happens in this movie next oh no he gets arrested and thrown in jail next to the other pirates yeah and we get that that fun scene with the uh with with the the dog dog. yeah yeah (laughs) hannah was just happy that she got to see a dog yeah (laughs) <laughs> I'm always happy when I get to see dogs in movies. <laughs> How does it happen that the pirates show up? Uh, so when Elizabeth Swan falls oh, into the yes. water. Yes. I so that necklace was part of the the ancient uh, Incan gold that got stolen. Yeah, and, and as because soon as of it that, hit the cursed. water, it like it released. It called out. Like ripple out, yeah. Okay, and so yeah, then the pirates show up um, to Port Royal and they start pillaging and grabbing people and trying to find the uh the coin that elizabeth has but elizabeth doesn't know that they're coming for the coin they just think that they're going to kidnap her because she's the governor's daughter this is this is when we return back to that kind of that horror feel to this whole pirate adventure right like this there's some actually like really well done tense moments in this scene where uh the pirates are searching through the house looking for her and um, she's hiding in the closet. Like some of those moments, like you feel on edge, feel on the edge of your seat at this. A- again, you're switching so drastically from that over-the-top humorous moment into this horror-themed segment. But it it feels so natural. It works so well. It's I, it, yeah. it blows my yeah. mind how well all these odd things mesh together. Like you mentioned, the like comedy and horror, like right before she's in the closet, which is one of my favorite shots of the whole movie, she's like trying to pull a sword out of the decorative thing on the wall. And she can't, <laughs> can't get the sword out of the thing because it's like cemented in there. And then, yeah, that. so my favorite shot of the whole movie and just a way that they like they used light and like things very practically and in, in an interesting way in this movie where she's in the closet and you can see like a strip of light across her face and to like, 
show you that the pirates have found her essentially you just see like uh their shadow come up and and cover up the light that was on her face and it's just so creepy but so well done and it conveys exactly the mood that they wanted to get across and one of the cool things about this scene too is those two feel so menacing and creepy but it turns out that they're the pirates version of the buffoon naval officers yeah so yeah they take elizabeth back to the boat and we meet Barbosa. <laughs> oh, Barbosa. Okay. Yeah. Jeffrey Rush is like the like I I would say he rivals Johnny Depp in terms of like of pirates. Jo- um, Johnny Depp is more of like the um, just doing whatever you want. He's just he's not necessarily like the pirate that we know stereotypically throughout history. But Barbosa is like the pirate we know and love. Um, He's like, you know, just classic, like, I don't want to say villain because Barbosa in this, he's definitely is the villain. But, you know, in other movies, he he comes out as like a pretty, he has the ability to think other than for himself. Um, And he's just like this classic kind of like pirate character and his hat makes it, you know. Um, so I was watching Prop Culture, and they had their Pirates of the Caribbean episode, and the costume designer was saying, you know, he, you know, uh, Jeffrey Rush came in for a costume fitting, we tried all these different fabrics, and then we were bringing out a selection of hats, and he was like, oh, no, 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 I, I don't wear hats, I don't do hats. That was like kind of like an actory thing that he did. But then, so she went out and got a couple more options of uh, something, I forget what it was, but when she came back, there's Jeffrey Rush with his, like, big-ass hat on, and he's like, oh, I think this is the one. And I'm like, that's, like, that's so that's so fun and exciting when you get, like, an actor who who gets excited about something like that. Like, costume pieces, pieces are so important when it comes to uh, having actors feel um, that they can really, truly inhabit a, a character. Yeah, and something and it like go- a pie, so, yeah. It- it goes back to like what we were saying before about like kids playing pirates and stuff. Like I'm sure he was kind of like, Oh, I'm too good for a hat. And then as soon as no one else was in the room, he was like, I just want to try this one. <laughs> Cause it's just, yeah. it's just fun. And I think uh, he, he probably just had fun with the role and that's why he was so good. The costumes in this movie are so perfect too. Like they feel so authentic to not only the characters, but the world and the time that they're in. Yeah, all all of the like props and costumes and all the attention to detail in this movie is is really phenomenal. Oh, it's top notch, especially even the ships too. Like the ships are so good. Oh my god, I wanted to try to find one of those like pirate ships just to own. Like I would love a black pearl sitting <laughs> on my desk. Yeah, yeah. Like there's so many little details all throughout this movie that just really tie it all together so well. So we see, uh, so Elizabeth Swan's been captured, uh, and uh, Jack and um, and Will Turner, basically, they're not going to get any help from the Navy trying to rescue her. So they try to go with their, they try to go it alone, um, and they're going to steal a ship. I believe it's the Interceptor that they try to steal. But yes. what happens is that they steal the ship, and then there's a bigger ship in the harbor, which is like the pride of the fleet or something like that. That one starts chasing after them and it starts to board. It start, they, they start to get boarded. But what happens is that the entire crew, which I never this is like the you know, we have to suspend, you know, belief for a moment because the entire crew swings over from one ship to the other. And then Jack and Will just take on the bigger ship by themselves. 
you know, they can't pilot that ship by the, just two of them, but who knows? I don't know. Suspend belief. But I thought it was a fun little moment that they had. So, mm-hmm. so Will and Jack have commandeered a vessel, and they're going out to, uh, to try to find Elizabeth Swan. Elizabeth Swan's been captured by Barbosa and the pirate teams, who we see, you know, have, are, who are skeletons. They're, you know, it's the curse of the Black Pearl, right? And the this necklaces is when, that... This is when the parlay doesn't uh, quite work out for her. Yeah, she tries to be all quick and, you know, um, thinking ahead of the pirates about calling parlay. And it's kind of it's revealed that the uh, the necklaces play a, a role in the curse. And what the curse is is that it's when I think this is a great device. This is a great plot device and story beat. It's you know anyone who has the uh, they don't re- if they don't return all the treasure, they're cursed with being skeletons for basically the rest of their best the rest of time. Uh, so the whole story revolves around returning these uh, returning these uh, these these necklaces these amulets. To the proper uh, to the proper site and rescuing Elizabeth Swan. This 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 part really um, humanizes Barbosa too, which is I love that they they took the villain and they get they made you sympathize with him a little bit. Like the line where he said uh, he can't feel the salt air in his on his face anymore because of this curse. I really like that because his his only passion was just to to sail the seas and just to enjoy that life and he doesn't even get any of the enjoyment out of it it's just routine now yeah and there's this and there's this notion too where he's like he keeps on biting an apple but he like can't essentially taste it he can't enjoy it so it's about trying to trying to get like you said that happiness that joy back in his life by any means necessary he's not necessarily a bad guy he just does bad things in order to be whole again Mm mm-hmm um, and then, I mean, from this point on, like it's, it, it, I mean, the ship sails itself for lack of a better, uh, <laughs> uh example, but like essentially, you know, uh, Jack and Will, they get their crew together. You know, we meet Zoe Saldana. She was apparently in this movie. Really <laughs> about. And, and they go and they basically try to, uh, to not only rescue Elizabeth Swan, but you know, Jack's got his motivation of, uh, retaking the, uh, the black pearl. This basically means we jump to the the third act, the final battle of the movie, <laughs> because there's just a whole lot of just we we're getting there, but it's all it all means something. Like at not at not at any point was I like, oh man, what like what are we doing? Like it all made sense. It all was one big wild trip, uh, which I enjoyed. Um, but I think the key here is focusing in on uh, on the last little bits of the movie, especially the. Uh, when Jack confronts Barbosa, they're in the, so they're in this little cave. They track down Barbosa and the team to this cave where the treasure is. Uh, and this entire time, Elizabeth Swan has been saying that she was um, Elizabeth Turner. And Turner is an important name because the entire time they thought it was Bootstraps Bill, which was Bill Turner, who is actually um, Orlando Bloom's, uh, Will Turner's father in this. He was the one that, he was a pirate, and he was part of the crew at the time when they stole the gold. So not only did they need the gold piece, but they also needed the blood of uh, his one and only offspring, who yeah, is Yeah, because Bootstrap Bill is, is apparently dead, or so we think. So they that's the him. thing, too. <laughs> but he's in the other movie. Never mind, spoiler alert. <laughs> Um, but, uh, so basically to, 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 um, to reverse the curse, 
everyone has to basically cut their hand, put some blood on the on the amulet and return the amulets. And the only blood that they're missing is is Bootstrap Bills or someone from his bloodline, which is why it, they think that they've got the right person with Elizabeth Swan, thinking that she's Elizabeth Turner. Um, so there's a big, huge revelations out there, of course, where we find out where um, the pirates find out that they've got the wrong person and they have to get uh, Will Turner now. And then we go into some classic, wonderful pirate ship battles and pirate fighting with swords. This I just live for this stuff. I love it. And and it's hard it's it's amazing to think that this movie came out of a Disneyland ride. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I think it goes back to what we were saying before about character and um uh when I watched I think it was the first episode of I still can't remember the name of the show. <laughs> Imagineering. Imagineering. Um they oh, talk such about a good show all of the the work and effort that went into making the ride to make sure that the story came across without there being like you know a typical voiceover or whatever as you go through the ride and i think that really like comes across in this movie as well and they just really they they really hit the nail on the head they they made just a fun kind i mean the movie is kind of a ride (laughs) they did such a great job too of working in some of these little character moments from the ride that like are so iconic into this movie in such a seamless way, like the dog in the in the prison cells and uh, um, like the ship battle or like the the, the ship attacking uh, the town and a lot of little things that uh, um, having ridden the ride since the movie came out, you notice those things a little bit more and you, you recognize the scenes from the movie and now watching the movie, I recognize those scenes from the ride. Yeah. And, and like you said, Hannah, it's like there's no overall story to the ride. Um, but what's great and amazing is that they were able to take, you know, snippets of pirate life and from that be inspired to creating this whole this whole story. I, I'm a sucker for good for good old fashioned pirate sword fights. I, I, I love it when you get like a, a just a massive group of pirates together fighting, and especially when you have like pirate ship battles uh, with that as well. I'm just a sucker for it. I just revert to this childlike state of just just joy, just a big grin on my face, uh, just watching this. So I loved I loved it all. But and then there was also this. Um, what was great about this fight though is that it's the fight for for more because John from Johnny Depp's. Uh, I keep saying Johnny Depp. <laughs> Captain, I mean, Captain Johnny Jack. Depp is Captain Jack Sparrow at this point. They are, they are one and the same, absolutely. Uh, Jack Jack Sparrow actually kind of likes the idea of, um, you know, living forever, essentially. And that becomes a through, a through line throughout the rest of the movies, where he, you know, doesn't want to die. He wants to have, you know, a, eternal life sort of thing. So there's like, there's a, essentially like a bigger fight. Uh, being had between him and Barbosa because Barbosa wants to get, you know, he wants to want, chase wants, that apple. Wants, yeah, he wants to live again. Meanwhile, um, and feel something again. Meanwhile, Johnny Depp, you know, doesn't want to die, sort of thing. There's an interesting, uh, there's an interesting, interesting bait and switch here as well, where everybody supposedly, you know, cuts their hands and replaces the the amulet with the blood into the pile, into the big chest of, uh, of coins or amulets, whatever you want to call it. And Barbosa still thinks he's like a skeleton at this point, but, uh, 
Johnny Depp shoots him at just the right time and, and Barbosa acts all cocky and everything and it re- actually realizes that the amulets have been returned and Barbosa has been shot for real. Uh, and I thought that was like some really good classic storytelling in an innovative way. I just, uh, this something just occurred to me, uh, maybe a little bit of a plot hole. Mm-hmm. If all of the pirates have to cut their hand and drop the amulet in, sacrifice a little bit of their blood or whatever, but all of the but all of the pirates are on dead skeletons who don't bleed. How do they put their blood in the chest as the sacrifice for their immortality? Well, the thing is, like they've all they've all done it. They yeah, only but, needed one last one to do. Yeah, but how did they do it? Because they they were cursed when they took the treasure, right? So to break the curse, they had to return the treasure, but all of the treasure. Right. I so think, when they returned, I think they, I think they, they still, still bleed. I think they still bleed, don't they? Well, they don't have blood. Like Barbosa drinks the wine, and it just trickles through his body. But, but that's only, when he's that's when, when he's, he's in, in skeleton form. Yeah, the moonlight right. is what is what reveals the skeleton form. But that's just what they that's what they actually are because they, they say that the moonlight just reveals what they actually or their true form or whatever. I don't know. I feel like that they somehow. D- Maybe it's just supposed to be a suspension this. of disbelief, but it just. They, but they also it, they also exploded that guy when so in that last fight scene, which is really well choreographed and it's it's really quite. I think fantastic. all of the fights are incredible in this movie. Yeah, um, that one in particular is really beautiful because when Jack takes the coin and he's fighting Barbosa uh, for power, like to get the Black Pearl, essentially, they're going in and out of the moonlight and they're kind of uh, turning from their like. Um, their human form to their skeletal form and it's just like a very like it's a very beautiful piece of art in my opinion it's it's really nice it's um, so it's so well done it's a master class in choreography and also and also thought because you've got all these things going on and every time that any little bit of it you know of their body enters the moonlight you know that part changes of them it's it, so good it's a very like um, and we talked about that. We've talked about this in uh, previous movies, but uh, using visual effects for like a purpose instead of yeah. using it uh, just because you can. And this movie really used visual effects in a good way, and it added like it's just everything coming together perfectly. And yeah, I think it, it's a. Uh, it was used to enhance the story that they were telling instead of drive the story that they were telling. Yeah. 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 Um, we've talked a little bit about this. Um, let's talk about uh, the visual effects as a whole for this movie. Because to me, the visual effects in this lived up from oh, since yeah. 2003. For a, for a movie from 2003, like, I I was shocked at how good it actually looked. Like, the skeletons all look fantastic. And okay. that one underwater scene where they're all, like, walking <laughs> back to the boat, it's... Uh, it's I got chills. It's, yeah. It's uh it's they it's beautiful in a way. <laughs> it's just like it, yeah, it's very well done. And the um the VFX company that worked on this one, I can't re- remember who it is. Was it ILM? I know oh, ILM look. did some work on it, yeah. They went on later to do Davy Jones, which is like he is unbelievable. They did such a good job. I don't want to go too far into it cuz that's the second movie and we're talking about the first one, but they did uh Davy Jones was like one of the best CG characters I I personally have ever seen. Oh, the other than like on Gollum. That was incredible. Yeah, 
you can really tell it's Bill Nighy under there. Like, he's got some tics and things that he does as an actor, and you can really tell that it's him. Yeah, they, they, they really keep the, the actor's contribution uh, alive with uh, with their mocap. And that's the thing. Like, a lot of time, actors can be... What they bring towards... What they bring to a character can sometimes be lost if that entire character is either CGI or or even sometimes under practical makeup. But, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that's, that's also like the Gene Roddenberry Star Trek approach, which is like, leave the eyes alone. The eyes yeah. are, you know, a window into your soul. Try to, as much as you can, retain the idea of there's a person there, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. One of the things that I really like about this is they re- they don't rely on the CGI, they rely on the the practical, like there's so much practical going yeah. on around the CGI that the CGI blends in kind of seamlessly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think they, not only did they do a good job of, you know, the pirates turning into skeletons, but they also had a monkey to turn into a skeleton too. Yeah, so that was, that really was well crazy. <laughs> also, like all the practical effects too, we, we didn't really talk about it too much and we're going over here, so I don't want to like harp on it. Um, but the one ship battle where the Black Pearl is chasing down the Interceptor with uh, Will Turner and Elizabeth Swan, they like drop anchor and like heave the ship to the side. Uh, There's just like a lot of really cool little moments like that in this movie. And I think to go back to what Ben was saying, like creating the world and like how people and how things function in this world, uh, they did just such a good job of, keeping to it but also like you doing inventive things that were really cool at the same time they like it's just a very really good movie (laughs) one of my favorite examples of that in this movie is when uh when elizabeth swan is first sitting down for dinner with barbosa and he's pouring her a glass of wine and the boat's rocking so the glass of wine is sliding across the table and he's just yeah he's tracking the bottle or he's tracking the glass with the bottle of wine He's not spilling a drop, but it's just, it's so clear that this is such a way of life. This is so natural to him that when the boat rocks, he knows how to move. He knows how uh, not to spill a single drop, even though the ship's being thrown around on the waves. I thought that was such a cool little immersive moment because he's not even looking at the glass. He's looking straight ahead at her. Yeah. It just seems like this was a movie, like, it was like a labor of love. Like, they, they, they put so much into it they planned out so many things and like thought of really interesting ways to do things and i like seeing that in and especially like big blockbuster movies like this and like you said scott a movie that's based on a fucking theme park ride Uh, unfortunately not all theme park rides get the same labor of love treatment when turned into a movie (laughs) i'm not i'm not gonna mention uh the haunted mansion by name um but some people can figure it out (laughs) but uh no one thing i did want to touch on it's jumping a little bit back to that cgi conversation is not only do the skeletons look incredible movement wise still but they actually they they look incredible in action like in the fight scenes where they're dancing around and dodging um the blades that are being jabbed at them from the human actors like it feels like there's somebody there that's actually hopping out of the way like the the way that the cgi characters and the human characters move around each other feels natural it feels real and that's yeah so well done and then the fact that it does that and it still looks great 17 years later that's that's awesome i love it it's so crazy (laughs) I can't right? believe it was that long ago. 
Um, my my last note that I've got here, um, well, not really notes. So I've just been saying how much I love this movie. But uh, <laughs> my last little thing here is uh, what a great use of miniatures and bigotures. Yeah, uh, it's just so good. I mean, a lot of the times, like today, everyone kind of relies on making CGI versions of pirate ships, or just like you know ships in general, or cars, or planes, or whatever. This movie had miniatures moving around they had an actual pirate ship that they were they used um and redressed they had bigotures which was like which is being um it's actually showcased in the prop culture show the prop culture episode i highly recommend checking that out it's 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 awesome it's it's so good and you're able to get a level of love and detail and craftsmanship uh when you utilize miniatures and bigotures it's i think it's too many, too many films are looking beyond that when you've got yeah. such a good thing in front of you. A lot of people give Phantom Menace uh, a lot of hate for about for a lot of the CGI. Most that miniatures. movie has the that yeah that movie has the most miniatures used in any Star Wars film. Yeah, I gotta no. say I kind of miss that um, the use of those things because they did a lot of that in Lord of the Rings too, where they had the like Helm's Deep and Gondor. They had these like giant. Big, I guess they're bigotures made of them so that you can get all these really cool shots instead of just having to build every, I, I I really do think it adds to because it's a tangible thing it's a real thing and I, I do think it it adds to our experience as a viewer watching it because I can tell when something is CG for for the yeah, most 100%. part percent absolutely and when you some stuff use just the, blends better than others yeah and uh, I, I I do miss when movies used to do that. Now, uh, just for the listeners at home who uh, might not know, what exactly is a bigature, Scott? Um, so for filming, um, you can have miniatures, which is kind of like, let's say, X-Wings or like, you know, smaller things. Let's just say it. it's like a Dungeons and Dragons set, essentially. <laughs> you know, miniature, miniatures, you could have, it takes, you know, you could have miniatures on a ping pong table. It's just anything that you want to film scaled down. Uh, and what a bigature is, is that it's kind of like a meet in the middle sort of uh, scale. So the bigature of the pirate ship that they have is essentially um, a third of the size of the actual pirate ship. Yeah, so it's As, um, the, the, this pirate ship in particular was about 12 feet tall, I believe. Yeah, so in the in the prop culture show, uh, in in that episode, they actually have to tow this bigature around with them, <laughs> and bigatures are a way of getting an insane amount of detail up close. So they could do shots like you know panning along the uh, along the you know the port side, and the and the cannons are all firing, or a lot of times if you want to do special effects, they would blow up a bigature sort of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really cool. Take, yeah. It's really cool too when they talk about like how they blow up bigotures and everything because based on the scale of what you've built, um, you have to shoot it at a certain frame rate, or like slow it down so that it looks like a real explosion because obviously a bigotry would explode at a different rate than like an actual big building. So they like the way that you film that stuff. It's it's pretty neat. Interesting. Um, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Um, part of the reason I wanted to uh, rewatch Pirates of the Caribbean for the podcast 
was because I watched that episode of Prop Culture and it got me so jazzed about the movie that I, I was like, <laughs> I need to watch it again and I might as well watch it for the podcast. <laughs> it's a great movie. I'm glad we watched it again because it, it had been a little while. I watched it pretty obsessively when I was younger and uh, I hadn't seen it in a while. Now, one thing, that, one thing that we haven't talked about yet, and this is one of my favorite parts of the whole movie, and again, this is a movie that we all love, the score. Oh my yeah. god, yeah. How have we not so, talked about the score yet? I, I don't know, but um, when we did our Gladiator episode, uh, I think, Ben, you noticed it as well. There's like a, a part in the opening battle that is the pirate's theme. <laughs> like, it is it. And no, it is, it, yeah. It, it drew my attention and it was kind of interesting because it was Hans Zimmer who was working with Klaus Bel... Is it Beldet? I can never say his name properly. And this movie was a reverse. It was Klaus Beldet with Hans Zimmer as like a producer on it. So clearly Klaus had written that little theme and he was like, ooh, I'm going to save that for something. <laughs> and he saved it, it for Pirates and it was so perfect. It's so it's, good. It's such... like The, the, the score throughout this whole movie gives it such a an epic swashbuckling feel. Like, you hear that music, and you automatically know what you're in for. And the, it's perfect. Like, he, he is the perfect guy to uh, score these movies, for sure. Yeah, and it, it's a score that you remember. Like, there's certain movies where there is a score that, like, sticks in your head. Like, for me, Lord of the Rings, if I hear it, I instantly know what it is. This, as well, like, you play the first three notes, and you're like, that is Pirates. <laughs> Well, the great thing about this score is that, especially with pirates, when you think of pirates, what do you like? What do you think about? You know, you're think. For me, it's like, uh, you know, it's pirate ship battles, it's fights, it's the swashbuckling aspect of it. So when I hear this score, you know, within the first like three bars of it, you know, da 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 da, it's like someone's called battle stations or whatever, and like all the the cannons are being pulled out, and this and you know everyone's getting their swords out. It gets you jazzed, it gets you motivated, and it gets you ready as is to feel as if you're going on this adventure or you're about to partake in this big pirate ship battle. It gets you on your feet. It gets you on the edge of your seat. I hear that little that little trill of the music, and I'm automatically picturing a pirate ship out on the ocean sailing into the sunset like after a battle like it's you it's so evocative the music yeah Mm -hmm. well i think that brings (laughs) us to the moment where we must rate this movie oh boy out of five i'm so not prepared for this well captain benji mcgibbles the booty blaster of the sea (laughs) out of five booties how many do you blast? How many does this movie blast? I don't know if I should even answer that. <laughs> this is definitely, uh, for me, it's, it's, it's a full treasure chest of booty. It's a five out of five for me. It's a five out of five. I, I've loved this movie since the first time I saw it. And every time I watch that opening of Jack Sparrow floating into the, uh, into the dock, into the port, and that music plays, uh, I feel like I'm watching it again for the first time. And Hannah, how many um, how many zombie monkeys out of five? <laughs> I am going to have to... I mean, I can't say the same as Ben because I got a different rating system, but I'm going to say <laughs> five zombie monkeys out of five. Uh, I agree. I still remember 
the first time I saw this movie. I saw it at the drive-in in Picton, Ontario. There's not many movies that I remember seeing it, and this one I do, and it's a very fond memory for me. So yeah, five five zombie monkeys out of five. And and if it was five booties to blast, how many would you blast? <laughs> five. Five. Oh goodness. <laughs> well. Hey, hey, Scott. Yeah. I got a question for you. Oh no! Hit me with your question there, bud. <laughs> out of five, corset. <laughs> and I and I need a corset in my life. How many would how how many would you be wearing? <laughs> Hmm. I'm trying to wonder how many corsets would do the job. <laughs> That's called extreme waist training. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't dare wear one corset. Uh, I think actually back during my musical theater days, I actually had to wear a corset for something, or at least attempt to wear one. Oh man! As a joke, like a corset, not a girdle. Yeah, like uh, yeah no, of course it, it was like because it was like a fun it was a fun like trade roles with people during Les Mis and I played Tenardier and uh, we like traded off with uh, Mrs. Tenardier who was wearing a corset and it hurt and I wouldn't want to wear it ever again but I can tell tell you how many booties I'd blast All right, well, I, I was going to say how many how many corsets <laughs> corsets came from Singapore <laughs> oh five corsets came from Singapore that's a and unanimous yeah, that's it. I think for the first time in Winchester history, we have a score of 15 out of 15. Yeah, that's that's a first. And I thought it was going to be Twilight. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> well, today we also say goodbye to Hannah since this is her last episode. Um... <laughs> If you now get I rid don't... of me, you'll get rid of my hilarious jokes. <laughs> now, I don't remember. How many booties did we blast for Twilight? <laughs> not, that's appropriate for Pirates of the Caribbean. That is not appropriate for Twilight. I think, I, think, I think Twilight got 7 out of 15 booties because I think Hannah gave it 5 and Ben and I both gave it 1. <laughs> and a half excuse me very much oh, okay okay all right sure, yeah, sure. i don't think it's total score bro <laughs> well this has been the winchester's review uh, and discussion of pirates of the caribbean the curse of the black uh catch us next week where we talk about a canadian film there bud it's called pontypool directed by bruce mcdonald why uh, are you Scottish? That was Scottish. That certainly sounded Scottish to me. Bruce McDonald. <laughs> Bruce McDonald. Bruce McDonald. Oh, sorry, I'm Scottish and Irish. Okay. Chairs uh, going. Chairs going there, pal. Okay. Uh, catch us next week where we talk about the Canadian film Pontypool, directed by Bruce McDonald. Hannah, where can the good people find you? Everyone can find me online at Shiny Bad Guys. And Ben, where are you at? I'm on Instagram and Twitter at the Ben Gray. And I'm Scott. You can find me on all social media at SkayP. And you can find our wonderful editor Jordan Moore on social media at that Jordan Moore. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and all other platforms where you get your podcasts. It would really help us out, and we would appreciate it. Don't forget, you can join in on the conversation by following us on all social media at WinchesterCast or heading to our website, winchestercast.ca. Don't forget to use the hashtag WinchesterCast. 
The Winchester does not do any hardcore advertising and is purely word of mouth because, well, we're poor. So every share, every mention, every hashtag really helps getting the Winchester out there. That's all for us. Thanks for popping by the Winchester. Cease and desist order from Disney. What?